One day after his resurrection, while Jesus was eating a meal with his disciples, he told them that they would soon be given power to take his message all over the world. They would be given the Holy Spirit of God, he said. After he said this, Jesus flew up into the sky right in front of them, and they did not see him again. So the disciples waited and prayed. Ten days later, they were gathered, and a sound like a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house. They looked around and saw what looked like tongues of fire dancing above each of them. They all began to speak in different languages, causing such a commotion that a crowd gathered to see what was going on. Someone accused them of being drunk, so Peter stood up to say something. He told them that they were not drunk, but that God had given them the power of his spirit. He recounted the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and told the people to repent of their sins and trust in Jesus. That day, 3,000 people believed what he said and became followers of Jesus. The followers of Jesus ate meals and prayed together almost every day. Amazing things continued to happen. People were being healed. Others were selling their possessions and giving their money to the poor. The number of people who joined them just kept growing and growing. The disciples, now called apostles, began teaching in the Jewish temples. This angered the religious leaders. Several times they beat up the apostles and threw them in jail. One religious leader in particular, named Saul, was determined to destroy this new movement of Jesus' followers. So he went from house to house in the region and arrested those claiming to follow Jesus. Then one day, while Saul was walking down the street, a bright light from the sky flashed. As he fell to the ground, he heard the voice of Jesus speaking to him. Saul, why do you persecute me? Jesus commanded Saul to get up and go to the city of Damascus. Saul got up, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see. With some help, Saul traveled to Damascus, where he met a man named Ananias. Ananias placed his hands on Saul, and something sort of like scales fell from his eyes. Suddenly he could see again. Ananias told him that Jesus had orchestrated all of this so Saul could receive the Holy Spirit. This experience completely changed Saul's life. He became a follower of Jesus. Soon, Saul would set out on an extraordinary journey to tell others about Jesus. So to make this uh, orientation uh, more exciting, by the way, we've got a couple of fun games and prizes. So it's not going to just be another, you know, listen to a lecture. We're actually not even talking that much. Showing pictures, playing games. Uh, so it'll be fun if you attend. There's a guy, uh, Matt Whitlock. He teaches at YWAM Hawaii, Youth with a Christ, uh, Youth with a Mission uh, in Kona. So this guy teaches Bible to um, post-high school uh, young men and women. And he wrote a book, co-authored it with uh, Chuck Smith Jr., titled Frequently Avoided Questions, uh, an Uncensored Dialogue on Faith. And in one of his chapters, is titled uh, 
do I need to go to church? And in this chapter, on page 40, he writes uh, that you're not going to find me, he says, you won't find my white Toyota pickup uh, on a Sunday morning at a church. You're going to find it at the beach. I'll be surfing. I'm always, uh, Sunday morning, I'm always looking for the biggest waves. And then he, he goes on, and here's what he says. He says, you know, it's not that surfing is more fun than church. It's just um, church doesn't help me draw closer to other Christians and to God. Um, most churches, I don't have need for what they offer. So this guy, this guy teaches Bible, but he doesn't, uh, he doesn't view the local church as uh, important to him, as something that he needs or something that he wants, and so he, he doesn't really participate. And, you know, this, Matt's attitude, uh, I think, is kind of growing in frequency, where um, I meet a lot of young Christians in particular who, who they view the participation in the local church as optional at best, and, and sometimes even just a waste of time. I don't need what they're offering, so why, why do it? And so I want to talk about that today because I think Matt and others like him are missing out. I think they're missing out on one, one of God's primary means for helping uh, us live out our life's purpose. The local church, Christ established it and, it and he uses it to form us spiritually and to help us be all that he's created us to be. So that's what I want to talk about to get today. Uh, we are 28 weeks into our 31 weeks overview of the Bible. Congratulations. Way, for, a way to stick with it. 28 weeks. So we're on the home stretch. And in our story today, as we saw in the video, uh, we've come to that place in the story where the risen Lord Jesus Christ sends out, pours out his spirit and um, starts the church. We live in what is called the church age. Because right now, God is... Um, rescuing people from the kingdom of darkness, from slavery to sin, rescuing them from death uh, through his church. He's in the process right now of building his church, and, and the kingdom of God is expanding through the local church. And it's, it's important and something we value. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to... Uh, our primary text today, which is Acts chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And so what I'm trying to do today is I'm, I'm trying to make the case for why, uh, you, why it's good for you to be here today. Why participation in a local church is, will bless you spiritually. It's, it is uh, something you don't want to miss out on. Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. An awe came over every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
So this is a kind of a summary picture of what the early Christians were doing. There are three primary functions of the church. Uh, worship, nurture, and witness. Worship is our ministry to God. It's, our, it's the upward uh, ministry. And nurture is our ministry to other believers. It's the inward ministry. And witness is our ministry to those outside the church. It's our, our outward ministry. And a church, a healthy church, keeps all three of these functions in play. And we want to be balanced, right? We want to be careful not to uh, be overflex one muscle and let another atrophy. Uh, so we want to be, here at Clearwater Church, we want to have all three of these functions uh, balanced, all three of these functions always in play. It's one of the reasons that one of the first, thing we, first things we did is uh, made Seth our neighborhood evangelist and put staff dollars toward that because we know that... Uh, Traditionally, it's easy to, uh, the more you have people coming, it's easy to get in, inward focused. And we want to stay, uh, we want to stay balanced. So let's go back to the text. Because what I wanna, want you to see here uh, right off the bat is that all three of these functions were in play from the very beginning. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, nurture, to the breaking of bread worship, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles' witness. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Nurture. And day by day, attending the temple together, pray uh, that's worship, and breaking bread in their homes. Nurture. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. Worship, praising God, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Witness. All three of these uh, are at play in the early church. Now, here's, <clears throat> here's what Matt, I believe, here's what Matt and others like him are thinking. Uh, what they're thinking is, we can be the church on our own. We can, we can be the church apart from any membership uh, or uh, of, a, of a local, organized, structured body of believers with leadership, etc. We don't need to participate in a local church in order to be the church. But here, but I want to say this. Anything we can do alone, we can do better together. Anything we can do alone, we can do better together. And so let's look a little bit more closely at these three functions of the church, talk about uh, a little bit more about what they involve, and then I want you to be asking the question, can, can I do that apart from a local church as well as I can uh, with a local church? So the uh, three functions. First off, worship. Worship involves uh, singing praises to God, uh, testifying to God's uh, faithfulness, and uh, prayers, corporate prayers. Uh, nurture. Nurture involves uh, Christian education, teaching each other uh, all that Christ commanded, praying for each other, using our spiritual gifts to build uh, each other up in the faith. It, it requires caring for each other, take, sharing each other's um, burdens, and, and helping each other with their practical needs. It involves holding each other 
accountable. And then witness. Witness involves uh, evangelism. It involves mercy ministry. It involves an, uh, an example of love, living as a community for the, so that the world can see. I was thinking about it. Uh, um, four of these things just jumped off the page at me uh, uh, for, uh, that we can do better together than we can alone. Some of them I'm not even sure we can do apart from a connection to a local church. Uh, first off, together we can better testify to God's faithfulness. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12, we read, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. In the midst of the congregation. When the people of God gather together, uh, I will sing together with them. Now, can we sing uh, praises to God on our own? Absolutely. But here, uh, it certainly suggests that periodically, the people of God are going to get together in order to worship. And that's where he, we testify. I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. When we're gathered together, we'll testify and we'll praise God. We'll worship him together. Uh, secondly, together we can better use our spiritual gifts. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Let me focus on that last phrase, uh, God's varied grace. Grace there is, uh, talks about divine empowerment. And what we see in scripture is that God, um, he gives people in a, in a local community, God distributes the gifts that that community needs to be healthy. And so it's varied according to the needs of the community. And he gives it to all of us. So that the community is fully formed and um, adequately provided for. And so our job is to be good stewards of that gift. And we use it to serve one another. And boy, that certainly happens uh, best in the context of a local church. Where you've got a body that's come together and you're building that body up. And you're, when you're part of a local church, the gifting that God gives you is called forth. In a, in a special way. Number three, together we can better hold each other accountable. Uh, in Hebrews 13, 17, we read, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Just so you know, I have yet to groan here at uh, Clearwater Church. Uh, I do it with Thanksgiving. Thank you. Uh, but let me ask you this. How, if you are not involved in a local church, how do you obey this command? Who are your leaders? How do you submit to them? The, the biblical assumption is that God's people are going to uh, participate in a local church, a church that is organized that has structure, that has leaders, that has, in a sense, rules. What are you obeying? Uh, you're obeying kind of the, the, the rules of the community, right? And so, uh, yeah. 
the local church definitely helps us, I would say, is necessary for uh, living out that one. Here's another one, Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. Jesus tells us, uh, here's how I want you to handle somebody who sins against you. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. How do you run this process if you're not part of a local church, right? The assumption, you know, how do you take it to the church? And how does the church discipline? There's clearly the, the idea here that, you know, a one, the final level of discipline is we, you know, out. You're in or you're out. Or you are viewed a certain way by the community to which you are attached. Finally, together we can better set an example of love. John chapter 13, verse 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the idea here is that non-Christians are going to be watching the way Christians relate to each other. They're going to be observing our behavior. Uh, I've heard it said that uh, church gives God an address. I like that statement. Uh, for, uh, for the unchurched, for the non-Christian, uh, they, they're, they, they're very interested to see how do, how do these Christian people act uh, toward each other. So it makes, it's a big deal when a local church has uh, ethnic diversity, socioeconomic diversity, um, and where people are fully part of the community, whether they're rich or poor, whether they're super intelligent or not so intelligent, whether they're tall or short or the color of their skin. That, the world looks at that, and they, they take note. And so that example of, of love, that witness to the world, is made more powerful when we gather together in local expressions of Christ's body. So for all these reasons, in Hebrews we read, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So here we are clearly uh, commanded in Scripture not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. But, you know, get together so you can spur each other on in the faith. And boy, uh, that certainly happens in the local church. So this message, preparing this message, caused me to, to um, think about the impact part, my participation in a local church has had on me over the years. So when I was a kid, my dad and mom drugged me to church Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday for prayer meeting. I was, I was in the church a lot. And uh, first, first conservative Baptist church, uh, little Baptist church in Dillingham, a Moravian church in Dillingham, Anchorage Baptist Temple, 
the Park Street Church in Boston, Christ, uh, Christ Church, Lake Forest, Illinois, Change Point, Faith Christian Community, now Clearwater Church. But here's the bottom line. I cannot, ima- I, I was thinking, I can't imagine me apart from the local church. I really can't. I can't imagine, uh, I mean, think, I was thinking, the Sunday school teachers that I've had since I was a little teeny kid, all the Sunday school teachers, and how they've taught me and how they've prayed for me. The hundreds upon hundreds of sermons that I have heard over the years. How many worship services I've participated, singing with God's people great truths of the faith. My leadership has been called forth primarily in the local church. People gave me opportunities to lead when I was young in high school as a Sunday school teacher and and then as a volunteer at church camps. Uh, the, The people in the church who rubbed me wrong, but I had to learn how to forgive and I learned had to learn how to care for them and I had to learn how to the failures that I made within the context of the local church and God's older and wiser people who came along and lovingly pointed it out and called me to change and called me to actually go and ask forgiveness and reconcile and on and on it goes I am a product of the local church and I think for the better (laughs) I I really don't know Uh, I can't imagine my spiritual life apart from the local church. I, I don't under I, I can't imagine it, and I certainly can't certainly do not believe it would be uh, even remotely as robust. There's no way I would be uh, even remotely as spiritually healthy as I am. And I believe that's true for you and you and and so I don't want you. The reason I'm tackling uh, Matt's theology, his statement, because he went public with it in a book, for one thing, but because I, I, I am increasingly encountering that amongst young, younger Christians in particular. They, yeah. And, I, and what happens is they miss out. I think they're being duped by the evil one. And they have their very sophisticated uh, arguments. But at bottom line, they're, miss, they're being duped by the evil one to miss out on one of God's primary means for helping us live out our life purpose, one of God's primary means for forming us. So here are uh, ten reasons to be involved in a church that I thought up with the help of the Internet. Number one, when you're involved, when you go to church, Jesus is present in a unique way. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Jesus is with us individually by his Holy Spirit resides within us. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm I'm with you in a unique way when you gather together in my name. So we encounter Christ in a a unique way when we gather together as his body. That's true. Number two. You, you make Christian friends. This is a big deal. Friends uh, influence us, right? We want, uh, we want friends in our life who also love Jesus and are calling us to follow him. Number three, people pray for you. Do not underestimate this. When you belong 
to a community of Christ followers, when you are known, when people know what's going on in your life, they begin to pray for you. God, people just do that. People you, I don't, I have been shocked so many times at, at people coming up to me, you know, and, and this is ever since I was a little kid, I've been praying for you. You know, I'd heard this is going on in your life. I just want you to know I've been praying for you. You can't buy that. <laughs> they tried to back in the Middle Ages, but you really, you can't buy that. God's people praying for you out of love. That's awesome. You want that in your life. Number four, you have a place to use your spiritual gifts. Number five, you have spiritual leaders and, and mentors. When you're part of a local church, there are, there are people in the community who are taking uh, a responsibility for your spiritual development. It matters to them whether you are failing spiritually or whether you're succeeding spiritually. They're praying for you. They're encouraging you. They're setting an example. You've got mentors, older, uh, more godly men and women that you can look to and that you can go to for advice. You know who they are. You don't have to go around uh, going through the phone book. Number six, you benefit from the power of the community to shape you. Uh, this is something uh, my eyes have been open to in the last few years, is that uh, especially through some of the postmodern uh, theologians, I'm not a postmodern theologian, they, they're like sand in my shoes, but sometimes they've got good things to say, and one of them is uh, they emphasize the power of the community to shape us. We are, in large degree, a product of the community in which we live. It shapes our values. And so when you're part of a local a local church, you've got a community that is trying to shape you into the image of Christ. You benefit from that almost just without thinking. And that's awesome. If you have children, your kids have a community that models the faith. Where else are they getting that? Right? Where else, where else do your kids uh, see a community that is uh, talking about Jesus? talking about how to follow him, talking about the temptations of the evil one and the dangers of, of some of the world's values. Where else do we get that? Number eight, it safeguards your theology. It's a lot easier to get off into the weeds theologically on your own. You read that book. You, you, you watch that TV show. You listen to that particular sermon. Next thing you know, you've got, you're off in some theological wacko land. And that's harder to do when you are part of a, uh, a, a local church community and you have to, you have to um, vet those new ideas with others God's, of God's people who are like, eh, that doesn't pass the sniff test. That sounds a little weird to me. Uh, we should look into that more together. So it, it does. It safeguards your theology. Number nine, you have a place to practice unity, love, and reconciliation. Do not blow past this. You have a place to practice unity, love, and reconciliation. Uh, some of the greatest spiritual development that, that I have had has come through having uh, learning how to love people that irritate me in the church and having to get over the sense that I've been failed and I can't run away. So when you commit yourself to a, a, a group of Christians and you say, I'm here with them, uh, for you know, for better or worse, and we're gonna. I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna be unified. I'm gonna love these people, and I'm gonna 
practice reconciliation when we get out of sorts with each other. And hey, uh, very often it's me you know, bothering somebody else and me being the one having to say, I'm sorry, I will change, forgive me, give me another chance. And boy, if you, know, if you do not commit yourself to a local church, if you have that attitude of when I'm irritated, when things aren't going my way, when it's not meeting my spiritual needs, I'm out of here, you miss that. Uh, I like to tell this story. It's the, um, how does the pearl get formed? By, being, by the oyster being irritated, right? It's the grain of sand in the eye of the oyster, and the oyster cries and cries and cries, and over time, this beautiful pearl forms. And uh, God's people are in your life in part to irritate you. I really believe that. Uh, <laughs> part of your ministry to me is to irritate me, and part of my ministry to you is to irritate you. It really is. So that you have to practice unity, love, and reconciliation. And out of that, when we don't run from that, but when we press into that, uh, wow, then um, this great pearl uh, of, of, of faith is formed. And then finally, help in times of need. So let's pray. Bow your heads if you would. We're going to just process this in prayer a moment. First off, for me this week, my, my response was to, is to um, thank God with, a, with renewed appreciation for all of the people, all the ways that the local church has formed me and how indebted I am to, to the local church. And for some of you, that's your response today is to just say, God, thank you for the local church. Thank you for uh, the fact that you, thank you for establishing it. Thank you for putting me in it. Thank you for forming me through it. What a wonderful gift you've given to me in the local church. For others of you, you might be thinking, this is right. I, I, Mike is preaching truth. And you know what? You might be convicted that I haven't been prioritizing the local church enough. I haven't been benefiting as much as I could from my involvement in the local church. Don't beat yourself up. Just say, okay, Lord, uh, I'm going to step into this uh, opportunity more. And then finally, you might be uh, totally on the outside, but you're hearing today, man, there, there is a place to belong where God is at work and where his life is available. I want to be a part of that. And you know what? That all, it all starts with joining the body of Christ by having faith in Jesus. And so maybe that's you today. Maybe you have never repented of your sins and put your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, handed your life over to him. And if that's you, please don't leave here without doing that. Uh, I will be here at the end of the service. Nothing I would rather do than to uh, talk with you, pray with you, talk to you about the next steps of following Jesus. Dear God, thank you for establishing your church. Jesus, you are the Lord of the church. I am your servant. We are your, your people. We submit to you, Jesus Christ, Lord of the church. Thank you for building your church and for your promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
Thank you for what you're doing right here at Clearwater Church, forming a new uh, community of your, of your people. And Lord, we thank, we thank you and pray your blessing upon every other uh, church here in Anchorage, that their light would shine brighter, that their leaders would be uh, even more courageous and even filled with even greater faith, that your people would uh, model before the world the love, the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray, we pray for every church in Anchorage to, uh, that, to have a greater impact for you in our city. Because we love our city and we know that the local church is the hope of the world. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.